Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a Buddhist-oriented path to recovery from addictions. For more information, please visit us at refugerecovery.org. Okay, it is 5.01 p.m. in California. Um, Welcome to the quarterly Refuge Recovery World Services Q&A and open open forum for discussion about anything um, refuge recovery related. We haven't really promoted it, but we uh, this so much. I mean, a little bit, but we would really like to encourage you know and and kind of hold this. Especially, everybody's welcome at this point, but um, especially for uh, group reps who can bring issues with their group or the appropriate person to bring issues from groups to uh, this kind of uh, forum. So we have an hour or so, and um, Vanessa and I are both here from World Services as board members, and uh, we don't have all the answers, but we're happy to talk to you uh, about about stuff. So um, the floor is open for any questions. Go ahead, Richard, jump in. Yeah, thanks, Noah. Thanks, Vanessa. Good to see everybody here. Good turnout. Uh, this may start the meeting with a stupid question, but I'm told there are no such things as stupid questions. Question is, uh, under the document, how to run a business meeting of an RR group, are these recommendations, suggestions, or are these what we're supposed to be doing to run a business group? Doesn't it say something in the um, essential elements about holding regular business meetings? Is, isn't that document mentioned in the essential elements? I'd have to pull it up myself. But my sense was that there was something about regular business meetings using this format for business meetings and that they're not so optional, that this is one of the essential elements that um, people stick with this kind of guidelines and that groups don't go off the rails making their own rules. Okay, well, I do believe it is an essential element that business meetings should be held. I, I, I remember that. But whether we're following this format or not, that's my question. Vanessa, um, are you looking it up? Is it in there? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking up the, I pulled up the uh, business meeting and I'm going to pull up the essential elements right now. Um, let me see here. So I'll do a share screen, yeah? Okay. Go for it. Okay. So group secretary, preamble, meditations. Adherence to RR policy regarding regular group business meetings and rotating leadership. Yep, that's the one. And then, it, doesn't, it doesn't really specify that this is the format that needs to be used, which well, is so my- We follow, what is it, Rogers rule, Roberts rules or whatever? Not, not exactly, no, we go. 
Any one or more persons can start it within six months after the first meeting, hold the business meeting. Yeah, I, I've read it. Okay. I know I know it says. Uh -huh. Where's the question coming from? Richard? The question's coming from a couple of meetings I've been to. I mean, this is a really long format. And it turns out that a lot of the business meetings, most of the business meeting is taken up with reading this stuff. And the question came up was couldn't we simplify this and just like get to the business at hand does all of this need to be read before we begin our business meeting really um it says all refuge recovery groups regardless of type have certain common principles and procedures applicable to all business meetings so i would assume that this is like not suggestions these are like um, applicable to all business meetings well, then I would like to request, if that's the case, then I would like to request that World Services or whoever, maybe you know, could maybe pare this down a little bit to something that's a little bit more user friendly. Well, but isn't it the group reps responsibility who's running the meeting to have pared it down to know it in their head and then make sure the group is doing it according well, to that? That that ends up being I am a group rep, so that ends up being what I do. But that comes up with the question of like, how much of this am I shortcutting just to facilitate the meeting versus stuff that needs to be said? Is is there is it is there a shorter version of this that could be used to facilitate the meeting? That's the question. Or uh, is it just left up to the is it left up to the group rep to you know abbreviate it as necessary? That's I'm okay gonna too. Stop. I'm going to stop share. Okay, Noah yeah yeah i got a couple of, of just comments um one is that i'm under the impression as vanessa said that i was confused a little bit richard by you saying that you're taking up a lot of the meeting reading this stuff uh, my sense is that this is uh the group rep and and really everybody who's interested in participating in the business meetings duty to read and understand this is how we uh, do government in refuge recovery this is this is our democratic forum this is what it means to be democratic this is who can speak and and how how we can vote who can vote all of that stuff and that's for everyone to understand um but especially for the group rep to say i'm holding this meeting is there a topic is there a second um one person gets to speak at a time until everybody else has spoken nobody you know that you don't get to speak again until everyone else has had an opportunity you know to actually understand that so that votes don't just happen willy-nilly and say like hey let's vote on this without any real discussion or actually follow yes. the process yes uh, I'm, in, I'm in total agreement with all that and that is what i do yeah I'll, there's a lot more verbiage in here than just that yeah uh, so here's what i hear you know this is what you get for asking, Richard. Um, we would be happy to look at uh, your pared down version as okay. a boots on the ground person who's a group rep. Um, with your experience, you've done it for, I feel, how many meetings have you done it for so far? A few, right? Yeah, more than, more than 12. So you're a great person to say, like, in my direct experience as a group rep, here's, you know, the stuff that I understand. Here's what I think a pared down version might look like. Okay. So um, if you would put that together and send it to us, we'd be happy to look at it and, and possibly implement it. And, you know, in the long run, these are the kind of things that group reps at the World Service Convention will be discussing and voting on. But we're not, we don't have that completely organized yet 
But in the meantime, um, if you'd like to pare it down and send it to us, we'd be happy to look at it. Excellent. Thank you, Noah. I will do that. And if I may, because we're kind of like, you know, based on the last service meeting that we had, we're going in the direction of creating more guidelines like the you know, AA stuff is like this and ours is like three pieces of paper. Um, but, you know, what I've done when I'm running a business meeting is I made my own Cliff's notes, right? So like pare it right. down for myself. Um, right. So you may want to try that. Could I, could, I, could I consult with you, Vanessa, about what you've come up with? I've, I mean, I've been using this for a long time. I just made my own Cliff's notes. I, I'll, I can just send them to you. But would you? you, know, would you? Thank you. Yeah, Great. Sure. yeah. Let me send them to me too. Sure. Okay. Thank you. That was my question. Now, are are these hands that are going up uh, in reference to this question from Richard, or are they new topics? This isn't mine. Is in reference to Richard's. Okay, go ahead and jump in, Erica. Okay, so a I want to say like I have a lot of thoughts on this too, and I would love to be part of it. Um, the discussion, Richard, if you're open to having another person be involved, okay, that would be awesome because I just. For someone who's ADHD and dyslexic, like it really matters how the information is presented and it can be very hard for me at times. So I think having it in a um, like the second thing you showed, Noah, was so much better for my brain <laughs> um, than the lot of words and big paragraphs. It's really hard for me. Um, so so, I, yeah, so I just want to put my hand into the hat and just say I am offering my services. I would love to be part of that. And Erica, you already have access at it. It's at the bottom of the Google Doc for the Sunday morning, Saturday morning meetings. Thanks. For the Sunday morning spiritual. Okay. Yep. Okay. Then I know what you're talking about. And yeah, we can use that, Richard, cool. as help. Yep. Okay. And I emailed it to you both, uh, uh, Amy and Richard. Thank you. Thank you. Laura, go ahead. Okay. So first off, Vanessa, I'd also like a copy of that um, pared down business script. Um, so I have been leading a meeting, not well, for, for a while, there have been some issues. And really, my number one question is, how do you run a business meeting if you only have three consistent members? Well, it only takes, um, you know, in that. Thing we were just looking at it does say that the quorum is three people right. so if all three of those consistent members are there you can have a business meeting okay um if there's business you know uh to to discuss you can have it and it's even if there's not much just the practice um does is one of those three a group rep well, that's kind of where it's it gets really confusing because we don't have any structure to our meeting. Um, like, for example, I've been leading the meeting because the two men who started it many, many years ago um, said, hey, you want to lead the meeting? And I was like, OK. And then I did. And then it started getting a little muddly and I had to step back because it was you know, like um, Erica just shared, I, I am not ADHD, but I was starting to have some symptoms because I'm like, I need a little bit of structure here because my concerns, I had nowhere to air my concerns. I had no 
um, really like any any kind of backup. You know, I felt like I, I was really addressing this sangha by myself, and I'm only ten months experience with refuge, so I felt very, um, you know, un unprepared. Um, are you saying that it's just the three of you, or are you saying that there's lots of people that come through, but only three consistent? The latter. Oh, okay, so different people do come through. Um, could you say a little bit more about what structure you feel like is missing? Uh, and I'll just say, because, you know, my my sense, you know, our hope is that all the structure that you need is in the format for the meetings and in the book. And that, um, you know, all of the, you know, the, the scripts are there for the meditation, the information is in the book, and the format is there in the meeting. Um, you don't, you're not, secretaries aren't supposed to be meditation teachers or uh, any kind of like, you know, we, they don't have to know everything. Um, there's just that humility to say, I'm here to be of service and I'm going to read this script and somebody's, somebody else is going to read the meditation and we're going to have a discussion with that. Like, I don't have all the answers. I'm here for my own, I'm 10 months, like you said. I'm doing this from my own recovery, but any pressure to be like an authority or somebody who knows everything, that's not expected at all. Well, it is there. See, that's by, where it gets by new By new people? No, by the existing members. They See, they put a lot of, um, they put a lot on me. Like, for example, um, you know, not to be, you know, uh, like bigoted or anyway, but or anything, but one of the men actually identified himself and his counterpart as uh, not the typical demographic for refuge. They are old white men. And um, that's why they think that they don't really have much of a congregation um, because they are not really, not only are they not the right demographic, but they're not very, um, personable um they're they're not very much into socializing um so you know like when i went there where we i'm in new jersey and we don't really have a whole lot of options in new jersey and um i just got very lucky i ended up meeting my mentor there the very first time i went to a refuge meeting and she never came back to that meeting again it was just serendipity however something i really noticed when i sat down was nobody really acknowledged me and i was like wow you know like it's just like fucking aa you know like nobody wants me to be here nobody notices me i'm just part of the fucking background you know so when they asked me to lead, I had all these ideas of how I wanted to, what I wanted to do. You know, can I greet people? Can we make certain that people are greeted? Can we put out chairs for people who don't want to sit on the floor? Can I give a little precursor before meditating so that we don't have these people who come off the street who have never meditated sit for 20 minutes with their thoughts and quietly implode? You know, like I want to give people permission to get up and walk out of the room if they want to or lie down or, you know, just give some kind of um, modification um, so that they don't, they don't feel like they are, you know, forced into doing anything. 
Oh, and so the point of all that was that I got a little resistance from these two counterparts. Um, you know, they they would go, one of them just said, absolutely not. I, I have absolutely no um, input on this. Talk to the Sangha. And I'm like, oh, okay, I thought you were really Sangha. The other guy had everything to say about it. Well, you got to do it this way and you got to do it that way. And I spoke with Sebastian because this guy said, you're a representative of refuge and you're also a representative of the Phoenix, which is the place that houses the meeting. Um, so I, so he's like, you can't curse anymore. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I'm in a, I'm in a pickle. Um, so a few things. It feels like most of what you're speaking about from World Services perspective is, um, stuff that has to be done by the Sangha, by your meetings, group conscience. You as the secretary are not allowed to make decisions for the meeting. You can't add things into the script or take things out of the script or um, that all has to be done. You can propose it. You can propose it to, you know, you can say we're going to have a business meeting tonight and, and um, you know, if you have three people and it's a quorum, you know, and if these two people that you're talking about um, vote against you, you actually have to accept the majority. You can't change it without the sort of uh, three-quarter, you know, majority. It's trickier when it's three people. You know, if you can get some of the other people that come to the meeting to stay and participate and vote, you know, then, you know, once you have five people or 10 people, then you get really more of a sense of what the group wants rather than your opinion versus the other loud person's opinion, you know, so that it's not this sort of personal thing. It's a democratic system of, you know, the, the five of us or the 10 of us or whatever it is. Hmm. But ultimately, most of that stuff about any changes in the script has to go through, um, you know, technically it would be okay to say something about the meditation before you do it if there's a group conscience to do that. You can't change the meditation instructions, but you can say other things before or after. The thing about being in a space where the place that you're renting from is saying um, you can't use profanity here. I think that that is also a group conscience thing. That's not uh, world services isn't going to say anything about that around like, well, nobody can have a meeting anywhere where we can't fucking swear. <laughs> well, you know, that's not our place to say that. But your meeting, you know, can discuss that and decide whether or not you want that or maybe you should find a new place rather than being, you know, in a place that's moralistic or whatever it is, um, often not the best fit for, and, and maybe, maybe they're just saying that to you as the secretary, um, but not, not the best fit to have addicts come into a place and say, and watch your language in here, addicts. Like not, you know, that's, that's not so cool. Personally, my, my view, but most of that stuff has to go through group conscience. And if it is just the three of you, and you know those two are voting against some of your ideas. You actually have to um, accept that they're still the majority. And maybe it's impetus for you to recruit some other people to come, you know, and you know, like be part of this sangha. You know, the oh business. shit, have I been trying? <laughs> yeah, 
but in the meantime, we do have to um, let the kind of democratic system be be that, and we're not going to get our way sometimes, and we've got to accept that. Okay. Thanks. Makes sense. Is that was that did that address everything for you? Uh, I still really don't know how I'm supposed to go about doing this business meeting with three people, but I feel like this is kind of like. Uh, just it's going to be like just this round and round about you know if we keep just asking the same question um i i i think maybe i just have to pull the plug and you know just just do it like i feel like if i plan the business meeting like nobody shows up like but if i just do it that night like i can i have permission to just do a business meeting the night of um I mean, I'd like maybe Vanessa's input on some of this stuff, but, or anybody else's, um, usually business meetings are scheduled, you know, and in that essential elements, it said regularly, you know, so the first, you know, whatever night of the month or or whatever, um, it is okay to, um, I think it even says in our write-up that any member, you know, at any time can call for an, a kind of emergency business meeting if there's an issue that needs to be discussed. It doesn't have to wait. So you could call for that. The other thing that's important, Laura, is that as the secretary, you shouldn't actually be running the business meeting. The group rep should be if there is one. So if one of the people that turned the meeting over to you has taken on the role of group rep, it's their job to run the meeting. Now, as the secretary, you can remind them or request a business meeting, but it's not actually in the secretary's duties. Um, I need to ask a clarifying question. Has your group ever had a business meeting? Not as long as I've been there. Okay. Nor do we have positions. So I think that what's happening here, it's the chicken and egg thing. It's like someone, she can't really call for an emergency business meeting because it needs to be supported by two others. So, um, and then if, if, if you make a business meeting out of nowhere, then you're changing the script without a group conscience. So there has to be some way. I mean, can you can you talk to these these other individuals and say, hey, uh, we're supposed to be having monthly group business meetings. It's in you can pull it off our website. Maybe you can show them the printed material. This is a essential element of having a refuge recovery meeting. Um, what night would work for you? You know, the first, second, third, fourth of whatever meeting, and then they can say, you know, all right, the third Thursday or whatever after your meeting. And then you sit and you start, you just, I mean, cause every single meeting has had this problem with, um, you know, we, we used to just not have business meetings and then we decided it was integral for the, you know, democratic decision-making process. And then it was kind of like, all right, well, how do we, you know, how do we have a business meeting when there's no precedent for a business meeting? So that would be my first suggestion is that you ask them or you just say, you know, um, this is the information from the website. We're supposed to have a regular business meeting. And if you don't get positive feedback that they don't want to select a date, then then I would say you'd, you'd have to pick a day and say, I'm going to sit here on the third Thursday of every month for 15 minutes after the meeting. And if you show up, that'd be great. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden you have a business meeting, even if it's just you sitting there for months after the meeting until you get some others to join you. Thank you, Vanessa. That was exactly what I needed. Thank you. All right. I'm all done. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks. Eli, go for it. Cool. Uh, 
this is my first time in one of these Q and A's. Thanks for putting it on. Um, if my question is not appropriate for the format, just let me know. Uh, but I, I imagine it will be. Uh, so Richard and I, uh, along with one other uh, member of Refuge, started a new meeting about um, close to well five months ago, I suppose. Um, it's uh, called Against the Screen. Uh, it's a pornography addiction focused meeting. Um, it's been great. We have a good little saga going. Um, there, it, it has become clear that different people have different priorities and different bottom lines. And that is fine and good as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I think as far as refuge is concerned and, and you're concerned, Noah, like you, we're not, you know, we're not trying to prescribe a particular set of behaviors for anyone. It's like, we just want to suffer less and people have different goals at different points in their recovery. Um, so bearing that in mind, the, the, the question has arisen, which is uh, whether or not it would be appropriate or even permissible to have some sort of guidelines for minimum acceptable bottom lines for people in service positions. So in other words, uh, you know, the two sort of edge cases are um, a porn addict who doesn't look at anything that's in any way sexually arousing ever um, and is very strict about that. On the other end of the spectrum, you have someone who just wants to watch porn a little less frequently. Um, and so the, the, you know, the, I think naturally the people who have been more inclined to be of service are um, pretty keen on eliminating all sexual stimuli from their uh, devices. And, and um, but there are people in the meeting uh, who have made it clear that their bottom line is simply to uh, cut out one particular habit. Uh, I won't get into too many details, but like, there are people who want to moderate consumption. And the, the question has arisen in the last couple of business meetings, uh, whether or not it would be appropriate for those people who simply want to moderate their consumption, as opposed to cutting it out entirely, um, whether it would be appropriate for them to be nominated for and elected to service positions. And I, um, I'm just yeah hoping to get your thoughts, and I'm happy to clarify if anything was unclear. This is a really challenging issue around process addictions, both around sex and food, um, with addictions that people. Uh, are going to abstain from certain behaviors around sex or screens or pornography, uh, but maybe not fully take a vow of celibacy, you know, in the sexual world or in food where people are going to their own bottom line uh, and, and abstain from certain types of food or behaviors around food. But of course, they're not going to abstain from food. Um, so it's quite tricky because the way that I, you know, presented it in the book and they, um, process addiction pamphlet says, you know, everyone has to come up with their own bottom line. And, you know, you have to decide what it is that's been causing you suffering and what you're going to abstain from, you know. Um, 
and that's different for for different people. And I know that this is an issue in food meetings and groups, and of course, it's an issue in the the against the screen um, group. Um, you know, I wanna. I don't know what to say, honestly. I don't. I don't know exactly how to how to deal with this. I I feel quite hesitant for groups becoming too directive um, and creating anybody else's bottom lines for them. Um, you know, like in the uh, I think in the in the sex and love, uh, you know, there's essay and there's ssa and there's you know three or four different sex and love 12-step meetings likewise in food there's oa and there's fa and there's because of this issue you know where you know in the 12-step world around food you know there's the sort of i don't have enough knowledge about it to speak about it uh, with a lot of no knowledge and, and information but my my sense is that there's some programs that say your own bottom line you got to figure it out. And there's others that say you can only eat this many calories and that's it. And it, above that many calories is a relapse. Uh, you can never eat flour or sugar. That's a relapse that are more directive, you know. And so what has happened in that world is that they've splintered and they've said, here's the people who get to choose their own bottom lines. And here's the programs for the people who want to be told on some level, you know, who are agreeing to be told this is what you can and cannot do. For the record, there's no discussion of mandating a certain minimum bottom line for attendees. Right. It's simply simply for people who are in service positions, and and the so yeah, I would I would never I would never go so far as to suggest that we need to require members of the group uh, to to do or not do a particular behavior or set a certain bottom line. It's yeah. just a it's just like there there are people in the group who uh, evidently, I, I don't, I, I wanna put this lightly. Um, there, there have been people who shared in meetings on numerous occasions who have, in the eyes of many other group members, um, they have, it, it's, it's quite evident that they're still suffering a lot because of their behavior. And they think that they've found a you know a workable solution for them, but it's very clear that they haven't. Um, and I don't again, I don't I don't want to I don't want to prescribe or judge. However, it feels to me like for the good of the meeting, it might make sense to have uh, elected service positions be held by people who figured something out. And of course, there are there are uh, sobriety guidelines in place. Um, but it's, it's what everyone said in their own bottom lines. It's really, it's like, oh yeah, I, you know, I watched porn 10 times last week, uh, but that's okay with given, given my, I'm not saying this for myself, but theoretically, uh, that's someone could say, oh, you know, I'm sober. I've been sober six right. months. Um, but I'm still doing this thing that has caused me lots of suffering. Right. Um, my, so, my bottom line is less than 20 times a month. And I only looked at porn 19 times last month so i'm i'm adhering to my because i gave myself a really loose bottom line and i'm adhering to it um i get the issue um i don't know what to do about it vanessa do you have a thought 
based on we're I, we're kind of just not there yet with the process addictions I, um, as far as literature and and policies around this stuff it's much easier for the you know substance uh issues where it's just abstinence and you know with this stuff around food and sex and it can't be uh, i mean it can be you know celibacy is a viable option when it comes to sex but it can't be abstinence when it comes to food um so i think i don't feel like i have an answer um, um what do you think but you want to say something Vanessa? yeah it's just you know this is the first time we've ever tried to lump everyone into one group you know like what what your whatever your process addiction or substance addiction is so this is where it kind of becomes hard to manage because they are asking everyone to adhere to similar guidelines but there are differences in criteria um, we've talked about this a lot with the people who have process addictions asking them to you know making them uh, abstain from alcohol and drugs completely so i think this is this is i don't think there's going to ever be like a black and white answer on this because the process addiction area is just a lot of gray um so you know if i were a wise person i would say this would be a great opportunity to practice our tolerance and acceptance of everybody and just see how it works although i know that's like really um hairy fairy of me but I don't think there's a solution. I don't think that there's ever going to be a prescriptive this, 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 this on these process addictions because it is so hard to to nail down what the guidelines are. I think we just have to kind of roll with it and see. And it's a real wishy-washy answer. I I totally I totally hear that and I don't want to take up too much space so this is the last thing I'll say but one possibility something perhaps that we can consider or just you know something to let percolate um maybe there could be rather than a requirement that someone's bottom line look a particular way maybe there could be a strong suggestion that people in service positions have well-defined bottom lines that they're sticking to because there there've been people in in our group who come through and I don't I don't want to say every week they have a different set of bottom lines but it's very clear that people are on a journey of their own and their expectations of themselves and their hopes for their recovery and their ambitions and what they see as possible changes I mean there are people who have come in and said I don't think I can ever kick this thing uh it just feels impossible and then and then two months later they're you know they got two weeks no porn and so that's just another another possibility is rather than mandating anything with regards to the substance of someone's bottom line simply asking that people who want to be of service have clarity around what their goals in recovery are i mean it seems, seems totally fair isn't it up to the individual though? Because you can tell, like it's already written in there in adherence to process addiction bottom lines. So we can't say adherence to your first established bottom line, you know, like people are gonna do what they wanna do. And also nothing's to say, I mean, we can have, we, we ask people to abstain from drugs and alcohol, but there could be people that aren't completely honest. And, you know, we just kind of have to take people at their word and where they're at. and. I know it's sometimes problematic for the group, but then you just have a group conscience on a case by case basis is what I would recommend. Richard, go ahead. I know your question, your comment is about this. 
Yeah, thanks, Noah. Well, I'm secretary of that meeting, and, and Eli and I have talked about this quite a bit. And I don't have a definitive answer, but an ex, but a, a provisional answer in the sense of like maybe what we could do. We have we have like regular 12, 13 guys come to the group, and I'd say maybe eight to ten of them have pretty solid recovery. I mean, they're really hanging in with their their own self-declared bottom lines. But my idea with this is sort of to go back and maybe poll the group and see what's going on just get a, just get it like a database you know like not in a formal sense but get information from the group what are your guys bottom lines what are you hearing to what do you think would be minimum requirements for a service uh holder that kind of thing and then maybe as a group at this being a sort of an experimental first time out group could come together and make a proposal saying like well maybe this is maybe this is what would work for our, our meeting to have our officers subscribe to this kind of arrangement and do it on an empirical basis if you will i mean most of that is okay within your own group conscience you know that's what um, i mean yeah but, you know, that's the thing is that all the meetings have autonomy and and group conscience when it comes to some of this stuff um we, we just have to be careful of like oh is the group now breaking a essential element or a guiding principle um and it doesn't sound like you are yet, but it sounds like there, there's some desire to be more directive than um, you know than the than the literature is so far. And then actually, I, I feel like ultimately this is the issue we've been speaking about. We need better literature for process addictions and more clarity about process addictions and you know stuff like you know. Um, you don't you know you get to set your own bottom line but you have to communicate that bottom line to a mentor and for how long you know is this you know is this forever bottom line or is this a six-month trial and that if you break it within that six-month trial uh that is a relapse that is not you know uh you don't get to decide you know what tonight you know, this weekend i'm going to change my bottom lines and you know <laughs> uh, that it's actually there's a period of saying like you know, forever or, or, you know, and the accountability that it's communicated right. um, and that it's not just in our own heads. Well, if you're okay with this, Noah, what I'd like to do, and Eli, if you're okay with it too, go back and work this out with the group and come up with something that we can talk about at a, maybe a business group, uh, a meeting that we get through conscience on how we start with this. So may I ask though, would there be enforcement of these guidelines? Well, it's, it's interesting you asked for that because we've already sort of, as a group, a conscious thing at our last business meeting, or maybe the one before, I think it was the last one, where we actually did sort of set some guidelines that uh, people holding service positions, if they break their own uh, bottom lines, they need to tell the group within a week and come clean with it. So there already is like a backstop that we've uh, enacted in the group and everybody agreed to that. Yeah, that, that to me that seems okay because although that's not clear in the guiding principle, um, it is the spirit of the guiding principle, which is that if you have a service position that mandates abstinence, you know, the secretary or the group rep, or um, and if you break it, then it's of course your duty to let them know I've broken it. I'm going to give up my position for now. Yeah, and what I was talking about before was more like people calling people on stuff but what you're talking about is like self 
like self-recognized uh, relapse, yeah. which is yeah. totally different, you know, just like, so it's no one's being, you know, uh, shamed or whatever for their stuff. They're coming forward with it on their own volition. You're not, yeah. no one's trying to catch someone doing something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that does give me another idea. I mean, we don't have time for this now, that maybe the service holders could come together and form their own little accountability group and check in with each other about how they're holding their bottom lines. And that would be a support and accountability uh, little forum for the service holders. Just an idea I just came up with. We'll see, we'll play with it. I don't wanna to spend too much of the hour on our meeting. Thank you, uh, Vanessa and Noah very much. Thanks, Eli. Justin, jump in. Hi, uh, Noah. I think I just met you this week, starting a meeting next month. Um, I've been attending uh, a meeting for like the last 16 months um, and feel the need to start my own. Um, you know, one of the things that I guess I, I kind of, in our, our core meeting that I have now that I've been attending for a while, the mentorship is lacking. Um, there's just not a lot of it going around. and um being offered um you know and i feel like that's something i, I want to facilitate and kind of nurture in my group um is there i mean i've seen literature i've read um the mentor information online uh is there meetings um far as like you know for mentors to attend to ask questions get you know direction things like that no no uh not at this point. What's the word? Kind of, you know, um, the tradition of, uh, you know, passing it on from one to another. Uh, World Services isn't hosting mentor trainings or anything like that. It's um, it's very organic. <laughs> uh, there are some things that have helped some groups that you could think about, uh, Justin, in your new group um having uh like a um inventory sessions group inventory sessions because one of the main thing that seems to hold people back from mentoring is not having done or worked on their inventories so you could say hey you know um once uh you know if we're gonna have one week one meeting a week you know the third thursday why don't we do some inventory so we get this done or or hey every you know tuesday before whatever night the meeting is uh, i'm here an hour early working on my inventory join me so we can get our inventories done and we can mentor each other uh, one of the other suggestions that i've often thrown out there is um if you're in a small group, a new meeting, and there's not people with a lot of experience with refuge, to just co-mentor, just let it be like, I, I don't, you know, we're both working on our inventories, we're both working on our recovery, we're sort of at the same pace, and we're going to co, you know, support each other in this, because neither of us can find somebody with more experience to lead us, so we're going to just do it together, um, you know, a little bit like, how this whole peer-led recovery thing started in the beginning with, uh, you know, Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob, you know, the, those two guys, like they didn't have sponsors, they just had each other, <laughs> you know, and, and they figured it out of like, oh, we just need each other, you know, like, um, and, you know, now 90 something years later, there's these lineages of mentors and sponsors and all of that stuff, um, but Refuge, especially in new places, doesn't have that. 
So we might just have to go back to the roots and be like, let's help each other in the meantime. And then we get to become the mentors. And, you know, what we do have is the online stuff where you can, you know, find mentors online, maybe not at your local Sangha. But if you go to enough online meetings, you'll hear some people with some quality experience and recovery and refuge and, and hopefully find a mentor. And if I may, I think a lot of people are reluctant to mentor because they don't feel prepared. Um, you don't have to be prepared. You just have to be supportive of someone who is in need. So does that help, Justin? I don't know what you mean. I think so. I mean, I think um, that was a Vanessa. Um, she said, you know, people just aren't confident in um I guess I almost wonder if I need, like, I will, I will want to approach um, people that I know have known for a while and encourage them to, um, you know, become mentors or ask them to. Sometimes just asking people, I think, is a big thing. Um, but yeah, just, you know, even for myself, like, I haven't mentored anybody yet. Like, and, you know, I know now, like, I guess it's almost a, a, a fear. Like, I'm going to be, you know, heading this group for a while. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure people will look to me to, you know, and approach me and, you know, want to mentor. And, you know, even myself, I find myself in that same position where I'm like unsure, you know. You know, it's pretty, pretty straightforward. You know, Does that sound bad on your side? It sounds bad on my side. It's, I, I muted it. Don't worry. It's, it's good. Oh, okay. um, oh to, to, to just say, you know, okay. Yes, I'll mentor you. Here's the book. Here's the suggestions. Here's the inventory. Get working on the inventory. Um, you know, when you have five questions done, let's go through them. Do another five. Let's go through them. And one of the things that's really helpful to create that mentor lineage is to tell everyone that you mentor that you'll only mentor them if they'll mentor others as soon as they finish their first five questions. So that, yeah, you know, so that it's not, you know, kind of, uh, I'm going to just, you know, get all of the support and not give any back. You know, I'll, you, you know, you do your questions and then you start mentoring to, you know, people who haven't started it yet. And then you just stay ahead of them. And honestly, Justin, like no one has a fucking clue what they're doing in the beginning. And you just approach it with kindness and share the lessons you learned and it'll work out. Like you don't have to have a clue. You, you, you got, you got it inside you, whether you know it or not. So what did they say in 12 step? Like the person who has two days can be sponsored for the person who has one day. It's just like, just, just start with it and just be helpful. And no, none of us have the answers really. We're just trying to help each other hold, hold the light for each other on our way home. Jeff, you had a, a comment about that. Go ahead. Yeah, about the uh, getting support with mentoring. I, I've found that this is a really good opportunity for kind of ad hoc, informal, under the table meetings. I mean, use your Zoom account, ask a couple of other people who've mentored to um, to have a meeting with you and, and compare notes. You know, um, uh, we have a group of guys that turned that turned into a, a regular monthly meeting thing just because of what you said these were guys that i met with every week we were 
done, you know, with that, with the, that portion and that weekly meeting turned into a monthly meeting between us. And our agreement was now you take that time and give it to somebody else. And that meeting started because they were like, Hey, I got some questions. And so I go, well, just bring your, your mentees and we'll all just show up and, and answer questions for each other. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, we can, we can avoid the whole, uh, you know, f- formality of a, a scheduled meeting that's listed and all that stuff. And maybe just um, hang out in the parking lot afterwards and and um, uh, have casual meetings. And as Vanessa said, the, nobody's got the the market cornered on this thing because it's so subjective. You know, we find personalities that work for us, and we share our experience. And that's that's the bottom line. Thanks. Hope that was helpful, Justin. And thanks for getting that new meeting going. Um. Edgar, go ahead. Yeah, hey everyone. Um, speaking of not knowing what the hell we're doing or what I'm doing, <laughs> um, I actually just took on the uh, True North uh, meeting on Tuesday evenings. Um, uh, that's actually a codependency meeting, so it's not specifically substance abuse, but um, obviously it's it's an RR meeting. Um, that's obviously why I'm here. Um, we something came up um, that I. Th- that I was asked if I could bring to this uh, meeting and um, get an idea on how we should proceed with two things. So it's, I have a two-part question. Uh, my first part is um, regarding um, alcohol use by somebody, uh, well, in this particular case, um, people that are actually holding positions. So it's kind of related to what you guys were talking about earlier. Uh, but it's a little bit different um, where, so so the reason this came about is because we were trying to find a secretary, which I am now, but when we were trying to find someone, somebody was, was willing to take on the position of secretary, um, but they drink occasionally. However, this meeting is not about alcohol or substance abuse, it's about codependency. So that's really, that's really what, what the question is, is is it okay? Is it appropriate? Is it not? It is not. Okay. Okay. All right. If it's that simple, then that was the question. Uh, my it second is. question yeah. is, is basically um, regarding uh, the time period that somebody serves a secretary, because um, although I'm willing to do it the six months, I'm totally okay with that. Um, there are other folks that were like, well, you know, what if somebody is not capable of doing the entire six months? Can we vote earlier to have somebody switch out? Um, yes, I think probably the way it's worded is that the suggested terms is six months and with a, you know, one one possible, you know, kind of uh, consecutive on some of the positions, you know, kind of doing a second term or whatever. Um, but that could be by group conscience, you could change that. I don't think that wouldn't be breaking any sort of essential element for, you know, somebody to say, Hey, I can do it for three months. Or also sometimes people co-secretary and say like, you know, I can only be here half of the time. Is any, will somebody share it with me? Um, Oh, actually, yeah. Somebody did mention that. So that's actually good to know. Um, that we could do that. There's some latitude to be creative around terms. Um, what we, you know, one of the reasons why we do have lengths um, isn't so much for like a, a minimum, it's more to avoid maximums. 
where people are secretarying the same meeting for two years or three years and are sort of holding it as like my meeting. Um, so like we do want that rotating leadership after six months or so. Um, but if it's less for because of circumstances, that's seems okay. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we have we've discussed this a bunch of times. I know you're new to that position. Um, but refuge recovery is following a Buddhist path. And the Buddhist path says if you want to heal, uh, there's no place for alcohol in your life, whether you're an alcoholic or not. You know, this is the, you know, the Buddha's teaching. Um, it's not my opinion. It's not refuge recovery. It's we're following Buddhism and Buddhism um, says follow the, it's the fifth precept of Buddhism for lay people, for householders, not even for addicts or codependents or just for everyone. Don't drink alcohol because it'll block your ability to be mindful. And without mindfulness, you know, um, you won't be able to be awake and, and free from suffering. So Buddhism is an abstinence-based teaching originally, and refuge recovery is following that abstinence-based teaching. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. thank you. So, so um, that's why we put that in there for the service commitments. Also, it came about because there were people in service commitments who were not only not practicing apps in the early days when uh, refuge was the wild west and just anybody was starting a meeting and people were like nodding out while they were secretarying meetings and we're like oh by the way you need to actually be sober <laughs> to lead the meeting <laughs> um so both for substance abuse and other uh, process addictions people codependency too gotcha gotcha okay thank you that was it welcome thank you So we are just about at the hour. We have time for one more. If there's anything else, anybody that had a, something they wanted to talk about. Justin, you can jump back in if you'd like. Um, if there's nobody else that's got another one, I, I have lots of questions, but I'll ask one. Um, so like kind of cart before the horse here, but you know, like I'm looking ahead and thinking about like, kind of like once a month having a special meeting of some sort, like a speaker or something like that. Um, are there other types of meetings that other groups have held? Like um, some of the thoughts were, you know, like a family meeting where we invite family to participate and see what the process is like. Um, speakers obviously is one, um, you know, I don't know what else, you know, other groups might've done. Um, other people can chime in. To my mind, like, like I said to you before, um, like uh, uh, inventory meetings, or you know, if, like we're actually going to sit here and work on our inventories, or or different topics. You know, kind of we're going to do, you know, forgiveness uh, the third of every third week of every month, or we're going to do, you know, mindfulness Mondays or you know, <laughs> so some of the, you know, Dharma topics, um, you know, or like you were saying, like you could have a special meeting and saying, you know, the topic next you know, week is mentors and like, we're going to have a special meeting on mentoring. So you can, you can, you know, within the, again, this is something it's a little bit tricky because when you start a meeting, you you get to decide what you're going to do, uh, what kind of format you're going to do. 
once the meeting is started, the secretary no longer gets to make decisions for the meeting. Now the group conscience makes the decisions for the meeting. So you can do that. You're, you're the person who's starting it. You get to choose the format, all of that. Once it's going, you have to take a vote. You, you can suggest it. You can say, hey, I want to do this speaker meeting, you know, in you know the first meeting of the month or whatever. Uh, but the, the group has to agree to that. You can't push that through without group conscience. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was, in fact, thinking about doing like a different day of the week rather than interrupt our normal weekly meeting, um, you know, but yeah, I mean, obviously I want to do what the everybody kind of wants, you know, and vote on it. Yeah. And cool. just a reminder, though, so if you do want to start a new meeting and you're branching off of your existing meeting in order for it to be if you want it to be on the schedule and for it to be a refuge recovery meeting, you still have to do the follow the essential elements. So you have to read the guiding principles, the process, the all that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think um is my phone making noises that way you keep meeting me? Yeah, you have some feedback on your speaker. I'm sorry. I can try moving it. Is that better? No. Sorry. We'll we'll see. Yeah, go ahead. Um yeah, no, I think like when me and you talked, we had discussed maybe I one of my ideas um was having a monk come in and give a a meditation or something and you had said you know not really under the the guise of like refuge um and maybe doing it a different day of the week and not a, a meeting necessarily um so i guess after that conversation with you i just wanted to make sure like any ideas i have are falling in line with you know what's appropriate Noah, you are muted. I don't know if I accidentally muted you or. Sorry, I think I, I think I muted myself. Yeah. Um, what I uh, what I was saying is, um, whatever you're going to do in the name of refuge recovery, make sure that it is in line with just as Vanessa was saying, uh, our essential elements. So you know, look at those essential elements. Say, hey, I want to do this, and then look at the essential elements and be like, can I do this? Okay, yeah, it fits with this. We're going to do the readings. We're going to do the, uh, you know, peer. You know, we're not going to have somebody give a, you know, meditation that's not part of our meditations. Just make sure that it's within our, you know, you have some leeway around topics as long as those other essential elements are in there. Okay. Thank you. Welcome. Um, it's about six o'clock. Cheryl, last word. I have a very quick one. Um, there is a guy that um, that uh, leads the meditations occasionally, and he started putting in um, before a pause. You know, a lot of people come into the meeting; they don't know where the people where the meditation leader was went, and there's a pause. And those of us who've been into thousands of meetings, uh, we know that there's a pause. But he used to put um, before the pause, he would say, I'm here or, or I'll still be here or something, something like that. A couple words, two or three words to say, 
I'm, I'm here. There's a pause, but I'm here. I'll be back or something like that. And he was told, and I found it to be very calming. I, I really liked the soothing part of, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. Um, and, uh, and he was told, I asked him, I, I, I heard a meditation of his recently, and he said that he was not allowed to do that anymore. Is that, um, there's no leeway on that? Unfortunately, no, because as soon as we open it up to people adding or subtracting or freestyling, sometimes it's going to be really good like your experience you know some people are going to say really cool things and do you know say a little i'm i'm here you know and it's going to be really every and you know mostly it's going to be appreciated but as soon as we open that up some people are going to start saying some things that are totally not appropriate not in line with what we're doing um you know they're you know like so if he said jesus is here <laughs> in okay. the silence you know connect with jesus in your heart like hey you can't say that <laughs> so it's like just stick with the script okay All because right. of how sideways it can go if people start freestyling even though maybe most of the time it'll be great some of the time it'll open the door to for some stuff that will not be helpful okay i i found those two words to be so comforting Okay, I, I hear you though. Thank I'm you. also always open to, um, you know, people sending in suggestions for the meditation scripts or things that they've heard that have helped. I won't always implement them, but you know, if he edited the script that had a little um, caveat there instead of just silent pause, I'd be, you know, open to considering adding that to the scripts. Um, Maybe this isn't so kind of me, but my first um, thought when you started talking about him doing that was that he should probably go to the True North Codependency meeting. Well, funnily enough. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was it at the codependency meeting? Oh, he, well, I go to all the codependency meeting and, yeah. I, and I lead the Compass Rose. So he might have right, been right. at either my meeting or, or very likely at one of the codependency meetings. And to a codependent, it feels wonderful. <laughs> But it, it's, it, you know, and the, I don't have a strong feeling, but it's a little bit of that caretaking and <laughs> kind of like, actually, it's okay if people are just a little bit uncomfortable. It's okay if people are quiet and a little bit uncomfortable and you don't need to take care of them through that. That's it's actually totally okay. Okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> Abstinence in codependency. I got it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, there were a couple questions in the chat, one about nicotine being a process addiction or a, a drug, and we've already talked about this in the past, and nicotine is not considered one of those things, right, because it's not a mind-altering substance. I think that's the reason why. Is that why, Noah? And then... Yeah, I mean, the, the Buddhist, you know, I mean, there's probably a scientific view. Mm -hmm. um, Certainly, nicotine is an addictive substance, as well as um, caffeine and sugar. Nicotine, even more so, an addictive substance. But it's not considered, from the Buddhist psyche, psychological perspective, to lead to an inability to be mindful. 
caffeine and nicotine and sugar, those sort of minor stimulants are allowable in the Buddhist view and aren't considered intoxicants in the traditional way that they don't cloud the mind the way that alcohol or or marijuana or other you know substances cloud the mind but i would also include that there's probably an asterisk next to this which is if you feel that you have a problem with alcohol with caffeine nicotine or sugar then uh, by all means that would be your addiction bottom line and you would handle that as you saw fit sure and somebody could start a refuge recovery meeting for nicotine yeah. And, you know, if they wanted to and they could start it for sugar and they could start it for we're we're open to supporting people and recovering, but we're not classifying it as. A, in, it, in and of itself, yeah. uh, a, a forbidden substance like we do alcohol. Good enough for tonight. Thanks for coming. Um, did you have something, Alexandra? Yeah, um, that's something came up in one of our meetings about because um, it's a codependency meeting. <clears throat> so um, some of the people in it are not actually ad addicts. So um, we're having trouble finding a leader because some people in it aren't sober and would like to be a leader, but you know, that's not really an issue per se. We just discussed it. Did you just tune in? Oh, I guess so. I thought it's, I thought we started at six, but no, it's five. It's five o'clock on um, West Coast. Oh, I'm sorry. Someone told yeah. me the wrong time, so I just <laughs> maybe for um, two more. They did bring that up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. I guess I'll get the notes then. Sounds yeah, good. you'll get the notes. I mean, I, I'm happy to say it again real quick. Okay. Which is just like total abstinence, whether you're identify as an alcoholic or not. We're using Buddhism. Buddhism is an abstinence-based uh, tradition. And, um, you know, one of the things that I, um, maybe this is the wrong way to think about it, but one of the ways that I think about somebody who says, hey, I wanna be of service, but I don't wanna be of service enough to not drink alcohol. I'm trying to meditate and be mindful and I wanna be of service, but not enough to let go of this temporary pleasure in my life that's not a problem, but I'm attached enough to it that I'm not willing to let it go in service of my you know recovery from codependency um where you know buddhism says hey this will help you this will help you be clear and mindful all of the time so i i always question that a little bit it might be the wrong way to look at it no i mean the what what it was for me was like it had to be six months of sobriety and i had two drinks on you know <laughs> like saint patrick's day <laughs> So um, it's that's one of them. And the other one is like, also just being like truthful about it, you know, because I wouldn't want to be like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll be like sober and then be in a position where I have one drink and feel weird about it or like don't or make a, you know, it's just a sort of an existential issue of like, well, I don't actually have, like I do it's I need to give up my one drink a month? You know what I mean? For this, I mean, I'm fine doing that, yeah. Just like why do I have to and will I and like will I or will I lie about it, which would be another problem. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like it's a dilemma and that I don't really have the right answer to, but um, because I don't, I'm you know going to just stick with, you know, Buddhism's five precepts. Yeah. For the for the service positions, 
you know, not something that I'm making up, um, but that, you know, I've, I've based this whole program on here's what the Buddha taught will lead to the end of suffering. And it wasn't about alcoholics. It was about, you know, just human suffering and, and how we're more likely to create some suffering for ourselves when we have that drink. And so, you know, um, and so to abstain is, is, is early Buddhist teachings. And I know I, I don't I don't even love saying it, honestly, I, I'd want to be way more relaxed and liberal. And especially when someone, you know, like you wants to be of service and you drink once a month, like I want you to be of service. I want you I want to support you in it. Um, but then I have this kind of like uh, it opens the door right also to other people who maybe drink a, a lot and don't want to stop drinking, but want to be in that position. So it's hard. Okay. It's a hard situation for us. So we're continuing to land in um, the way that it's written, abstinence. Mm -hmm. Some of the people that I've been, you know, I, I'm abstinent for a long time because I need to be because I'm an alcoholic. Um, so I don't drink. But so I've met so many people that have inspired me so much, Buddhists who um, don't drink and they're not alcoholics. And they don't drink because they're committed to being awake all of the time. And they, you know, and it just in, inspires me so much when I meet, you know, like us alcoholics, like, yeah, whatever, we have to not drink. <laughs> People who aren't alcoholic, who choose not to drink in order to be present fully uh, in reality all of the time, that is so inspirational to me, you know, for what it's worth. I'm always so inspired by that. So we will end there. We are going to do this, continue to do this quarterly. I forget it's scheduled the next one, probably May, June, you know, July or July or August. We'll have another. Do we have a date in July or August, Vanessa, that you know of? No, I can't keep track. I have to look I, on the website. I think we do. Yeah. Um, and we really want to encourage, and we'll send some stuff out in the newsletters about um, getting group reps here. You know, we had 25 people at the height of the meeting tonight, I think. Um, but there are a couple of hundred meetings and, you know, probably at least half of those meetings have group reps. So we probably have at least 100 group reps, although I think Richard group reps 10 of the, you know, 200. <laughs> um, but, you know, you know, what I mean, like there's probably 100 people out there that have that position. We'd like them to come here to hear these conversations and to bring stuff from their groups. So. If you're some of your group reps, or if if you're in, involved with meetings where that you have a group rep, encourage them. This quarterly meeting is something that they are encouraged to attend in order to be part of this conversation. Uh, may I ask a question, Noah? It, by show of hands, the people that are in here, how many of you group rep at least one meeting? Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you. Only about half or a little less than half. Mm -hmm. so. Is there a regular newsletter now? No. Will there be eventually? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, regular, like right now, we're still just kind of sending out the newsletter when we have events to update the community about, you know, with. Oh, a little... we were going to talk about that. That's true. 
Okay, maybe we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks in Occidental. Cheryl, are you going to make it to the conference? A hundred percent. Yeah, of did course. You, did you get registered, or do you still need me to to get your name on the registration? Um, I did what you said, and I wrote to Sebastian, but I haven't heard anything back. Um, yeah. Okay, you're good then. I'll, he'll get back to you probably tomorrow or this week. When so, is when is the conference? May fifth. And where is it? <laughs> it's Occidental. It's right near me. Where could I find more information about this conference? Well, you know, Vanessa, I will um, interrupt you that actually it's too late. We, ah! closed, we closed registration for the conference. The conference center needs to know our final numbers by tomorrow morning. So we have we've closed registration. Uh, so. Will there be a pinata? Vanessa's bringing a pinata. What are you going to put in the pinata? So much stuff. So much. Keep stuff. it clean, Vanessa. Keep it clean. Narcan. <laughs> so the answer is i might need your help yeah so maybe maybe so i think you're all set cheryl but um if you don't hear back by monday let me know okay thank you i have a question um is there a place where we can offer rides or like to say hey i live in san jose if you're flying in san jose or san francisco I'm happy to give a ride if like, I don't know if some, some of these started before for that. I don't know if there is for this one. Um, I don't know if there is either, Erica, but my friend China is flying into San Francisco on Friday and she needs a ride. Can you give her a ride? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's coming in to SFO like yeah. 9 or 10 a.m. And you could pick her up at whatever time you're driving through up to the conference. Yeah. Um, do you have my number? I do not. Do you want to just text me, chat me, chat me or something? I can give you mine also. I put it in there. I don't care. Every, you know, people can have my number. That's fine. Cool. Um, shoot me a text with your number so that I can connect you with China. Okay. Yep. Thanks, Erica. Yeah. Um, um, sometimes we do do that ride share thing, usually when it's requested. Um, and I don't know that we did it this time for this conference. And I'm taking requests for um, karaoke sing-along if all the stars align. So if you have, I don't know how to spell karaoke, but um, you could text me any requests that you have for karaoke sing-along songs. I request that you don't get viral respiratory disease and try to die prior to karaoke this time. Oh, that'd be great. Refuge Recovery is freely offered. If you'd like to make a donation to support us, you may do so by following the link in the episode notes. We appreciate your generosity.